Praise God. Right there where you're sitting, why don't you talk to the Lord with me? Could you do that? Could you talk to him about what he wants to talk to us about tonight? Jesus, we open our spirit unto you. We open our spirit to you, Lord Jesus. You know that which is needful and necessary. You know our frame. You understand our being. Jesus, I trust in you and the leading, working, and operating of your spirit here. I pray, Lord, impart into our hearts those things which you desire to say. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah, I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. I worship you, Lord Jesus. Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, well, the scripture says that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. We read in Hebrews 11 and 1, I believe it is, that says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and uh, It's interesting how much focus we can put on what we see. Yet the scripture is very clear that faith is a result of what we don't see. Or can't see. But faith does come through one of our senses. Just not our seeing. It comes through our hearing. So marked by that tonight, what we hear is so important. What we give an ear to is so important. What we hear and what we listen to affects our faith. Faith comes by hearing. So what I'm listening to, what I'm hearing affects my faith. I... You know, Peter, I mean, we know the story. Peter and Matthew, the Lord, asked the question, who do men say that I am? In other words, Jesus is saying, what are you hearing? What are you hearing? What are, what are men saying about me? And they said, well, some say you're Elias. Some say you're John the Baptist. Some say, some say. And so then the Lord shifted or he was making a shift, and whether they were able to make the shift or not, he said, who do you say that I am? I, I know what you're hearing from other people, but are you listening and giving heed to what you're hearing from other people, or are you giving heed to what you've been hearing spiritually? Who do you say that I am? And of course, it's quoted often, Peter spoke up and Peter said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus responded immediately. And he said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Peter, you did not get that from what you'd been hearing 
from what everybody else was saying. You've been listening, Peter, but what you've been listening to isn't a voice of other men in the natural. But you heard something in the spirit. And it's, it's interesting because you go just, and, and we've referenced this so many times, but I'm, I don't know, I'm marked by this tonight. As I begin to pray, the Lord begin to mark my spirit about this. And, and we find just a few verses later when Jesus is saying what he's about to do and he's speaking in the spirit of what the spirit's asking of him to lay down his life. Peter responds and says, no, not so, Lord. It had never happened. Defending the Lord Jesus from dying and of course, Jesus turns to Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You don't savor the things that be of God. Man, that's such a quick move. A quick shift. What, what happened? Well, Peter went from hearing in the spirit to hearing in the natural. And it can happen that fast. It can happen that fast. He was hearing in the spiritual sitting there when Christ asked the question, who do you say I am? And he responded spiritually. We know that because the Lord pointed it out. But then a few verses later when Christ was declaring what he was going to do, Peter was hearing in the natural. He was hearing that naturally Christ was going to die. And so he he was seeing and processing things in the natural. And so when he began processing in the natural, it, it was contrary to the spirit. And so the Lord, dare we say, rebuked him. But, no, but notice what Jesus said. He said, Peter, I've prayed for you. He didn't say, I prayed that your spiritual hearing would be restored. Not directly. He said, Peter, I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. Well, where do we get faith? Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. What you and I are listening to and giving an ear to affects our faith. Our ability to believe, our ability to act according to the leading of the Spirit of God is influenced by what we give an ear to. Whether that be surrounding voices, whether that be the own thoughts of our mind and discerning whether they come from the Spirit of God or our own intellect or whether they come from another source. What we give an ear to affects our faith directly. Paul told the church at Corinth, it may be that there are many voices in the world and none of them are without signification. They affect our faith. In the garden, Adam and Eve said, we realized we were naked and we covered ourselves. You know that story. And Jesus' response to them wasn't, why did you try to cover yourself? His response to them was, who told you you were naked? Who are you listening to that affected what you believe? What we listen to affects what we believe. 
Pray with me again tonight. Would you do that? Lord, I pray the anointing of our ears to hear. To hear what the Spirit says to the church. An ear that's in tune and fellowship with your voice. Father, your word, Father. Your spirit that speaks expressly in the name of Jesus, the quickening word of God that produces faith in this hour for what you'll do and how you'll do it. The sure word of God that brings discernment, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Faith that comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. Faith that comes by hearing, hearing by the word of the Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. One place in Scripture the writer asked this question, Whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? I always marvel. above it I'm sure I've fallen into the same trap I marvel at those that would give an ear to the experts above the word of God as though the intellect of men is superior to the word of God nothing is greater than the word of God the scripture is clear he's exalted his word above his name nothing is greater than the word of God and it brings faith in our life Faith in our life. Amen. We're going to move on, but I want to encourage you. Consider what you're hearing. Consider who you're giving an ear to or what you're giving eye to. What you're looking to for assurance. His word never Amen? Aren't you thankful for that tonight? I was um, I was sitting in San Jose yesterday. Isn't modern travel amazing? And um, just reading, I was reading about the story of Rahab. You know that story? Joshua chapter 2. You can go read it. Scripture says about Rahab, well, it says in Joshua 2 that the spies were sent into the land. They went into Jericho to spy it out. And it says they came, speaking of Jericho, they came to Jericho. And it says they went into the house of one Rahab, a harlot. Which is an interesting story. I. I found myself wondering, I, I think I asked my, my boys last night in the car. I said, do you, why do you think that they chose to go to her house? I mean, really, what, what made them decide to go to a, a prostitute's home? Here's, and I don't have the answer for that, the scripture doesn't tell us, but Man, you want to talk about trying to explain what you're doing to somebody else. These two 
Israelite spies go into a land to spy it out, the scripture says, and the place they go is into Rahab's house. And you can read the rest of the story. She agrees to hide, or she covers for them. She hides them, agrees not to tell that they were there. People that come looking because they saw them come in, she tells them a story that they'd already left, and if they hurry, they'll find them. And so she sends those Jericho people on their way, and they go off looking. Then she goes and uncovers them. They let them she lets them down the wall because her house is on the wall. She lets them down a wall by a rope. And tells them, go wait in the mountains three days. And after three days, those men of Jericho that were looking for you will be back in the walls. And then you can go. And makes an agreement with them that for what she's done for them, that they would spare her and her family. And the Israelite spies say, if this scarlet cord that you let us down with is out your window when we come, you and whoever's in your house will be spared. But if they're not in your house when we come, or if this cord isn't out, or if you tell anybody, our oath is off. No deal. But if you honor all these things, and any harm comes to your family, then their blood will be on our hands. And I was was marked by her story. The reality is I've, I know we're past Mother's Day, but I wasn't here on Mother's Day, and I've just been thinking about moms a lot lately. You know, nobody on Mother's Day says, I want to be Rahab. You ever think about that? I mean, they pull Ruth out of the book. They pull Esther out of the book. I mean, those are great ladies. Now, if you're not a lady here tonight, don't check out like, well, he's talking about ladies. No. Nobody pulls Rahab out of the book and says, mothers, there's somebody to pattern your life after. You know why? Because Rahab's beginning's not very pretty. She was a harlot. We don't use that word now. She was a prostitute. Nobody looks at that in the word of God and says, oh, that's who we want to pattern ourselves after. But it's interesting to me about her. There was something in spite of her past that had value to God. And. We live in a day and an hour where there's a lot of focus put on people's accomplishment, achievement. And we want to write stories about great men and great women and tell stories about them. And I found it doesn't take long if we start lining up there. Man, I, I can't measure up. Don't raise your hand. But you ever felt like you just can't measure up? You know, you can read these stories in Scripture. And like, man, I read about Joseph. and whew, I don't measure up to that. I'd have had some choice words for my brothers. I, I read about Ruth, and I, and I can't measure up. And we read, and 
even in our day, I, I grew up hearing about heroes of faith in my own life. And I, I won't share names tonight, but I could tell you names of different men and women along. And I thank God for them that have done great and mighty things in the kingdom of God. And, and somewhere there comes this element that starts trying to live up to some idea. Rather than submit ourselves into the hand of God. And let him use us the way he wants to. And so what the enemy does, or sometimes not even the enemy, just our own flesh, our own self, is we say, I can never live up to that. And therefore, I'll just sort of limit myself. When God took a harlot, Rahab. Not only did he use her, I mean, yes, he used her to deliver Jericho into the hand of the children of God. And he spared her whole family. And if you stop reading there, that's an amazing story that the Lord spared this prostitute and her family. But you heard of King David, right? She was his great-great-grandmother. Rahab the harlot in Jericho, not an Israelite. She was the great-great-grandmother of King David. Somewhere along the way, God did something in her life. And she saw something in the people of God that realized, I have value beyond where I started from. I have value beyond my past. And I have value that the God of Israel can work with. And somewhere along the way, a man by the name of Salmon saw value in that woman and he took her to be his wife. And Salmon married Rahab, this harlot from Jericho. Thank God somebody in the tribe of Israel didn't look at a past and say there's no value there. And we never testify about Salmon's life. But he looked beyond a past and saw value in a woman. And he brought her to be his own. And they birthed a child named Obed. And Obed birthed a child named Boaz. And Boaz begat Jesse. And Jesse became the father of David the king. And Rahab the harlot was the great, great grandmother of King David. Nobody wants to be Rahab. But I'm telling you. Every one of us, there's something in us that God sees innate that caused him to choose us along the way. That chose us not for where we'd been, but where he saw he could take us. Because those that have been somewhere that they're not proud of, Jesus asked the question of Simon when the woman came and broke the box over Jesus' feet and washed his feet and with her tears and dried them with her hair. And Simon was looking and... Judas was looking and says, what a waste. Couldn't something have been done with this that, you know, it could have been sold for two or three hundred pence and money given to the poor. And Jesus says, you know, this and this happened. And finally, he asked the question of Simon. He says, Simon, I have a question for you. One's forgiven a little and one's forgiven much. Whom do you suppose would love the most? Simon said, well, I suppose the one who was forgiven much would love much. And Jesus said, you've said well. There's something about God that knows when he rescues us from where we were. 
and brings us unto himself. That brings great value. And you understand, Salmon was a precursor to Christ. You understand that? He took the rejected one and brought her to himself. And burned the bloodline through her that brought a king. You and I are the Gentiles. Christ brought us unto himself. We're the rejected ones. And you understand the scripture says he is our first husband. We are the bride of Christ. More than a father, the bride of Christ. And I know I've already shared with you, Rahab was the great-great-grandmother of King David. But you understand the bloodline of the King of kings and Lord of lords, the bloodline of Jesus Christ ran through Rahab. He saw something much farther than you and I can ever see. And when we'll look beyond our past and trust the working of God in our lives to draw us from where we are and join us unto himself, you realize what made the difference in Rahab was the fact that Salmon was willing to take her and join her unto himself. And the two became one. When we submit our lives to Christ, He takes us and He will join us to Himself. And our life is hid with God in Christ. And what He produces, we understand it's not a work of our life. It's a work of He who joined us unto Himself. Why don't you stand with me? You know, Rahab is mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. Book of faith. I'm going to have to go search now. I don't know how many non-Israelites are mentioned in there. Rahab made it in there. Why don't you just pray with me right now? Would you talk to the Lord about where you are? And Him allowing you to join you unto Him. And how he'd like to continue using you and working with you. And who else he'd like to choose to add and join unto himself. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. You are no respecter of persons, Father. We can so easily look with the natural, but you see far beyond what we could ever see, Lord. You know the end from the beginning of every life, of every vessel, of every soul. Jesus, I trust your choosing. I trust your placing. I trust your joining unto yourself. I trust each vessel in this room and your purpose and plan to work with them, Father. None too far removed, none 
too mistaken, none too far failed, God, but each one valuable unto you as you deem fit, God. Each vessel pliable in your hands as we yield ourselves. I pray the work of your spirit and your word in each life here that would yield and submit unto you. Each one used for your glory and your purpose, Lord, as we submit ourselves to you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. He had a Messiah. He had a Bacarate or Boshiarataya. Each one, Father, each individual that you know by name, a value to you, a value to you, a value to you. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You can be seated again. any of you, maybe a couple of you have met my mother before. She was the fifth of seven children. Um, three boys, four girls. Since she was the second girl that was born, because they were born in that order, boy, 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 girl, 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 girl. Since she was not the first girl, the first girl was not going to work with the boys in the field. The first girl was going to work with mom in the house. So when my mom was born, my grandfather needed an even number of hands in the field. And so my mom was the Sometimes, in some ways, the fourth boy. She was the one in the field. Um, when her and my dad got married, she's told the story. He taught her how to cook. Now, she could milk a cow. She could throw a hay bale. She got wide-eyed over an Air Force soldier when she was just a teenager. And you can imagine back in that day in the 60s, there was a lot of things going around. She was raised in church, 
you know, the 60s was a time that wasn't very popular among the church in some ways. Well, she met an Air Force boy in the world. And she ended up pregnant outside of marriage, which was shameful to her, to her family. They got married because that's what you did, especially in the 60s, as I hear it anyway. I wasn't, I wasn't around. Came shortly thereafter, 70s. So. Um, that marriage lasted five years. She did what probably any woman at 24 years old with two kids would do. She took off far away from everybody she knew. And so that meant getting out of where she'd lived her whole life. She moved 1,100 miles away, I think it was, almost. She had a sister and a brother-in-law there. She could go live there, take her two kids, new life, new faces. Nobody knows the story, the history, the just new. But, I mean, she's still a single mom with two kids. And even then, in the early 70s, She got married again. Stayed in a marriage far longer than she probably should have because of the shame of the first one failing. I don't know why I'm telling you this stuff, but it's important. After 28 years, that marriage ended in divorce as well. Probably should have ended after about five or what. And so here's this lady, two failed marriages, child out of wedlock. Not necessarily the poster child for a child of God in some minds. And if the story stopped right there, and if that's all we knew of the story, then we could begin to paint a judgmental picture. We could begin to ask questions, wonder why, how. I can tell you this about her. Mom's in the room, dad's in the room. She had her kids in church every single service possible. She spent summers teaching them Bible studies to get the word of God in their hearts. She gave herself to those things. She would shut away in a room and pray when nobody else knew. Pouring and investing something. I talked to her the other day. She's almost 70. It's impossible. She called me. Usually if she calls me, she wants something. And so, but she was excited. I could tell when I answered the phone, she was excited. 
I'm like, Mom, what's, what's going on? She goes, I had to call you. I'm sorry. And I'm looking. I'm thinking, man, it's 1030 at night. It's 1230 where she is. What is she? Probably been a night owl, but still. I, you know, I'm thinking something's wrong. I'm answering the phone. <gasps> you remember Joanne, my neighbor? Yeah, Mom, I remember. She lives in a duplex. I don't know why she's calling me about Joanne, her neighbor. I mean, I hope Joanne, her neighbor, is all right, but that's not a wake me up at 1030. I'm, I'm in bed at 1030. She goes, so, it was, we just baptized her. We just baptized her in Jesus' name tonight. I'm like, man, Mom, that's awesome. She goes, well, she came up out of the water. And she, God filled her with the Holy Ghost. She got the Holy Ghost. She's, I'm like, Mom, that's, well, see, you got to know the rest of the story. My mom has been living next door to Joanne for multiple years, and Joanne wants nothing to do with my mom because she's this holy roller woman. But my mom finally convinced Joanne to let her come in her house and teach her a Bible study. And so Joanne was willing. And so my mom doesn't get excited about tons of things. But she was excited about this story. She has three children that are living for God. They're imperfect children, but they're living for God. She has, I don't know how many grandkids. I can't keep up with all of them. All living for God. And if I gave you her name, you wouldn't know it. Except now you know, because I told you. We must understand. When we give our lives to Christ. I mean, give ourselves to him. I don't mean in the. You know, casual Christian world way of, oh, I give my life to Christ. now. I mean, commit ourselves to him working and operating in us, with us, through us. Yield ourselves to him. He gets to keep writing the story regardless of the past. And he wants to keep writing your story and my story regardless of the past. And you don't have to live up to somebody else's expectation. You just have to submit your life into his hand and let him write the story. You have value to him. Your life is not measured by where you've been. It's measured by where he takes you. It's measured by what he does, not by what I've done. It's measured by how I yield, not by what I can give. It's him. I'm reaching for somebody who's dropped <laughs> Rahab had value to him. And he saw the value in her life, even if no one else did. You have value to him, and he sees value in your life, even if you don't. He's trying to convince you by his spirit. Not because I say that. This isn't some pep talk. It's the Spirit of God that's wanting you to somehow have faith in the Word of God. That beyond where you are, if you'll yield and submit to Him, He can take what seems broken, bruised, and beyond value and make it have great value. Rahab on a wall in Jericho, a harlot. The great 
great-grandmother of King David, the bloodline of Jesus Christ, because she was willing to let a child of God take her unto himself. Stand with me again tonight. Pray with me. Come on, however you know how, would you reach to him and talk with him? It doesn't need to sound eloquent or fancy, but would you just talk with him from your heart, however you know how? In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, you are the potter, we are the clay. You take that which is marred and you make a vessel anew of great value to you, to your purpose, to your kingdom. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I trust you. Hallelujah. Do as you will with me. Do as you will with this vessel, Lord. Take this life, Lord. I offer it to you. I offer it to you, Lord. I offer it to you. It's you, Father, that brings great value. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. I trust you tonight. I trust you tonight. Praise God. Praise God. Don't let the past define you. Let the Lord define you. Let the Lord define you. Amen. Can we thank him together right now? Jesus, we exalt you. Jesus, we exalt you. Jesus, we exalt you. Mm, we trust you, Lord. We trust you, Father. We trust you, Father. Your love is perfect toward us. We trust you. Hallelujah. We trust you. We trust you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus.